Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hammerdown on the Market Scale Network. I'm your host, Mike Bush. This is a show aimed at highlighting cool people doing cool things in the supply chain in order to bring in more cool people. Um, today's guest works for a company that makes you go, why didn't I think of that? Or why wasn't that always around? So little, little known fact to people outside the industry, although I'm sure my industry insiders are going to roll their eyes now, 90% of the trucks you see on the road. So when you're barreling down the highway, you see an 18-wheeler, 90% of those trucks are part of a small fleet, a small company, six trucks or less. This means if you're a company like, let's say, Samsung, and you're looking around like, hey, man, we made it through the holidays. We're coming up on Super Bowl week. I've got goods to move. How do you identify whether the trucking company you're going to partner up with is a good company? Or maybe the type of company that maybe you don't want to put 70-inch TVs on because things fall off the truck. Uh, she is Megan Sadison with Carrier Share. Megan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, Mike. Megan, let's start with the, the first question. Tell me a little bit about what Carrier Share does. What problem are you solving, et cetera? Well, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head. Carrier Assure scores trucking companies. So... Just like you said, you see a Mike trucking driving on the side of the road. There are a ton of data factors that go into that fleet. And brokers mainly are utilizing those trucking companies. I mean, big or small. We score a one truck company. We score a 5,000 truck company. But those carriers get compared to each other on thousands of data points. And then we score them. So on an A to F scale. So the user knows the type of risk that goes along with it. So they can do their due diligence in a quicker manner. Okay. Now, wouldn't, wouldn't the logical approach be, look, a company with a thousand trucks is probably a better one than a company with three trucks? I would say no. Um, some might disagree, but those bigger trucking companies are typically working directly with a Samsung that you talked about. They just have those type of operations. If you're looking at a three truck carrier, they don't have, whether it be the technology or the right contacts to work directly with a Samsung, a Walmart. So put in the broker to be the middleman between the two. Okay, perfect answer. So to your point, I, th I think one of the things that's kind of interesting here is if you're a big trucking company, you might have opportunities but because of those opportunities, maybe you don't provide the best service or in the time when we see sort of the freight market dip, your a lot of your costs are going to be fixed. So you have to find ways to, to cut costs and it's not going to be by cutting your insurance. It's not going to be by cutting your fuel. So maybe you hire drivers who aren't as high quality as they might be during a, a great freight time or whatever that might be. Whereas sort of the smaller trucking companies often provide a superior service. They've got guys that have been there for a long time or women that have been there for a long time. They know what they're doing. They know the ins and outs. There's very few rookie drivers or new drivers at some of the smaller companies. Is that generally kind of fair? Generally. And I mean, right now we're looking at a ton of new trucking companies, like so many new trucking companies that are causing some issues for a lot of companies. Sure. So, you know, it, as we saw kind of the tail end of the pandemic, there was tremendous opportunity in freight. Anybody who could start a trucking company was basically going to have fate fed to the fate freight fed to them. Wow, that's tough to say. Um, you know, as an opportunity to grow the business. Now we're in a bit of a trucking recession. So some of those companies are falling off. Some of those companies aren't around anymore. And some of those companies are maybe not doing the 
doing right by their customers, right? Like if it's, I don't have enough trucks for this, maybe there's a double brokering situation going on. Let's talk, speaking of double brokering, let's talk a little bit about how you score carriers. What are the components that go into a carrier score through CarrierShare? What are the things that, that a shipper or a broker should look for? We are looking at things from business stability. So how long they've been in business. We look at, are they reporting more insurance than is legally required? Compared to their peers, do they have the appropriate number of inspections, not just like on a general scale, but compared to similar carriers? We look at their violations compared to their peers, not just the amount, but how recent was it? Is it occurring more than once? What was the severity of it? Were they put out of service or has that happened over and over again? matches in their data. So, I mean, we could go on and on about the matches and the VIN numbers. Has anybody reported them? That's more of a reactive. I don't focus heavily on that. And then even tracking. So there are thousands of data points that go into it and it's very dynamic. Some things are going to matter more. If you're a bigger company, some things are going to matter less. Um, And then vice versa, obviously, for smaller companies. Virtual address is a huge one. Um, but to your point as well, 2020 and the tail end of that was the perfect time to open up a trucking company. It is very critical right now to understand if there is a new company out there who is brand new, some things like are too good to be true. Who is opening up a company right now? And do they have genuine intentions? Because at the end of the day, you are driving a semi truck on the road. Like there's a lot of risk associated with that, not just for the driver, but everybody else involved. So it's honestly given me a whole new perspective on it. I'm on the highway and I'm like, what is going on next to me? Because I, I want to make sure I'm the person to search the MC number too, if I'm being a passenger in a car. <laughs> I never thought about that from the, the, the real time updates and, you know, the real time visibility into is the trucker next to me safe? Um, I kind of love that question. I've seen like swerving in and out of traffic. I'm like, what is this safety score on here? This is ridiculous. <laughs> so you, you kind of touched on this being a new industry for you and a lot to learn. How did you end up at Carrier Assure? Walk me through kind of the decision tree here. What's your background? What, what brought you into the industry? Well, I actually majored in transportation and logistics, which I don't think a lot of people actually do. I think you kind of just land in it, but I was undecided when I got to college. They make you take a class to pick a major, found out what logistics was. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. So there's a sign when you come in calling it the logistics capital, or at least it used to be. That's certainly not the case, I know, <laughs> but I was like, that sounds that sounds exciting. I'll do it. So I worked at Crowley um, throughout college. So kind of got on an asset or shipping side from there. Graduated in 2020. So then I worked at a brokerage for a few years. And that, you know, I could go on and on about what I learned there. But once I'd been there for a few years, I really saw two options. I was either going to work on a promotion and kind of keep growing there or take those five years of experience and say, okay, well, what can I do now? Freight tech, obviously a very hot topic, um, but very hard to find a job in. I mean, I was told no by companies. So, I mean, I had companies written on a list. Who do I want to work for? Why? 
how do I get an interview there? So, I mean, I came across Cassandra Gaines, which if you're listening to a podcast, she's on plenty of them. So I came across Cassandra and just said, that is somebody that I want to work for. And it really started by just DMing her on LinkedIn saying, I would be very interested in working for you if a job opportunity comes up. A few months went by, I was told no in the beginning. And then eventually like it worked out. I put in my two weeks at my old job without having a new one lined up. So I was like, this needs to be my focus if I wanna make it happen. And now I am sales manager at Carrier Assure and it's been very fun. That's awesome. In terms of, you know, we, we talked, jo even joked a little bit about, you know, kind of looking at the, the trucker on the side of the road. If I'm a shipper, you know, let, let's assume the, the common things that it have to be there. Does a trucking company have the right insurance? Have they, do they have issues with drug and alcohol clearinghouse? Do they have number of citations, et cetera, right? Like those are, those are things that I think anybody on the street can pick out and say, you know, I don't want a guy with a habit of, of DUIs behind the wheel of a vehicle with 20 tons on his back, right? Um, but Fair. what are, what are some of the, the kind of hidden aspects or what are the things that maybe a typical shipper or a smaller shipper that's moving goods for the first or second or fifth time isn't looking for that they should be? I, I always focus on DOT performance, not even just drugs and alcohol, but if you're looking at vehicle maintenance, I think that is heavily related to like timeliness and just cost associated with it, making sure they're running um, just like a reputable fleet, keeping up with their trucks, especially from a smaller side. But I think the suspicious activity, so actually fraudulent things that are happening behind the scenes that shippers aren't always aware of. And I have conversations every day of brokers just having have honest conversations with shippers. This is who is supposed to be showing up please make sure this is what the truck says because the shipper is really the only one who's going to see them and have an interaction with that company. So I would say, I mean, just all of the fraud associated with it, stolen identities, double brokering, triple brokering, just straight up showing up, finding a rate con on probably Reddit or something and then stealing a shipment. Like it, it is so convoluted. And I think sometimes shippers just don't fully grasp it because brokers have taken that responsibility on and trying to not make it happen. But now it's definitely a more cohesive. They have to come together and make sure everybody is on the same page. Right. You touched on a couple of interesting things here. And I think it's important to point out when when the freight market is great, there's kind of less exposure to things like double brokering or identity theft. And this is true when it comes to identity theft, it's, it's true across multiple, you know, multiple industries. Identity theft goes down when the economy is booming and everybody feels great. Um, you know, when, when things get tight, when finances get tight, sometimes it's a matter of, you know, good people having to make a tough decision or a bad decision. Sometimes it's just an opportunistic person who happens to jump in and maybe scams good people. What are some of the most common types of, of freight fraud or, or fraud that, that you're looking to prevent, Megan? At this very moment, and I mean, it's been less than a year now and it has changed like through the months, realistically, in this very moment, identity theft. So, I mean, we could go into the FMCSA hacks and people getting their codes and then changing an email. And in, 
I got an email this morning. And so we will show you, hey, this information has changed in the past 90 days. Not Carrier Sure, not Mike, some really the only people who can tell you if that change was legitimate is that company, but the FMC doesn't know you. FMCSA doesn't know either. So once you send it to the wrong person, it's really downhill from there. So in this very moment, heavily focused on making sure you are talking to the right person. If it doesn't seem right, it probably isn't right. Has that information changed? If it has exercise extreme caution. I mean, some people just can't even use them anymore if they've changed their information. Um, so that, but then that directly relates to cargo theft. So once that happens, typically they're taking a load of TVs, like you said, it's, it's never something like recycle bins or water bottles. It's, it's never a big bag of well, cotton. You're totally right. <laughs> it's never that. And I mean, I have heard of scams amounting to like $500,000 in credit as a fake customer. It is absolutely insane. So I think right now identity theft and cargo theft, but then once you focus too much on that, then that's when double brokering happens again. So it's how can you have a process that covers all of your bases? So you make sure one, this is a good carrier. Two, this is the carrier that I'm talking to. I can be confident this is Mike Trucking and they have authority to book this shipment, get this rate con, et cetera, and then deliver your customer shipment. Because so I'll say all day, every day, your job is to make sure you're doing right by your customer. They don't, it's hard enough to get business as it is. Don't give it to the wrong person just to make an extra 100 bucks, you know? So. We've uh, we both said double brokering a couple of times for for folks who are perhaps new to the industry. Didn't know that 90 percent of trucks on the road are part of a smuffly. What is double brokering? I'm going to get double brokering tattooed on my forehead here soon. <laughs> I feel like I talk about it so much. Double brokering is when a so let's say I'm a broker. I'm Megan brokering and I give a shipment to Mike Bush. I expect Mike Bush to pick up and deliver that shipment and invoice me and pay him. But Mike never really had a truck or if he did, he didn't intend to use it. Mike then gives it to, I don't know. I always say Cassandra trucking. He gives it to somebody else that he did not have authority to. And at this point, I think at some point in the industry, it happened a lot, but it was really just to make more money. Like you would have just paid them a little less and made that margin. It would have picked up and delivered, hopefully without issue. Now, they just don't pay that carrier. So then I would pay you and say, okay, perfect. Hands are clean, Mike delivered, whatever. And then Cassandra Trucking would come back around and say, no, I picked this up and delivered it. Now you pay me. And I say, well, I already gave Mike $2,000. And she says, well, Mike told me I would get 6,000. So then, it's just a can of worms right there. of course so there's there, there, there's two components to this right like there's there's the double brokering side which is kind of the underhanded it's this information isn't shared and then there is an actual okay way to do this which is called co-brokering in which case megan's trucking works with mike's trucking or megan's brokerage works with mike's brokerage and we say hey i've got trucking capacity in chicago that you need we work together we share information there's no downhill uh, there's no deceit. Customers are aware of it and that's all fine. 
So the double brokering component works a few different ways to your point is, yeah, we can absolutely, you're absolutely right. Like if, you know, if you broker a load to me and then I give that to somebody else without telling you that immediately becomes double brokering. In some cases, it might be you paid me $2,000 for a load. I pay out $1,850 to this other trucking company and pocket $150 a load. Or it might be, to your point, something more nefarious where you say, hey, I gave you $2,000 for a load. My company disappears overnight. And that trucker who actually did the work is now left out in the cold saying, hey, how do I get compensated, right? Exactly. Gotcha. Megan, where uh, if, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, learn more, find out more about Carrier, share, or uh, you know, find out if you went and got double brokering tattooed on your, your forehead, uh, how do they get in touch? My email is Megan, M-E-G-A-N, at CarrierShirt.com. All right, perfect. So we, the final question we ask every guest here, if you were to offer a piece of advice to a new soon-to-be or recent college grad who's thinking about supply chain saying, I want to learn more, maybe this is a cool thing for me, what, what would you tell them? I would say, trust your gut. So if you want to work in it, just go and give it your best shot and then take every opportunity that you can to learn. Got it. Love, love that advice. And also, you know, sign up for the free trial of Carrier. Sure. If you're going to go work for a broker or a trucking company to make yeah. sure that they're on the up and up, right? Like, I mean, yeah. a tremendous tool. That's if you're in the and want to just talk about us, any opportunities that you'd be interested in. I'm always open to that. Um, I will tell anybody like, do not just trust a job opening internet that has 300 applications. Always just reach out and ask people that work there. That's awesome. Advice. Like what? They so that too, just anybody that listens. Love it. Totally. Not, not, don't just vet your carriers, vet your employment opportunities. Is that fair? Yes, absolutely. Perfect. But we're just in one of those phases. So might as well. Love it. Megan, thank you so much for joining us on Hammer Down. To our listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, as you know, you can find us anywhere that you find your podcasts as well as YouTube. If you like the show, give us a thumbs up, give us a like, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, thank you again, Megan. Appreciate you being on. Absolutely. See ya. Bye.